You're listening to the Canes Country Podcast with Brett Finger and Justin Lape. All right. So they were 4-0-1, and then they lost three in a row, and then they won in Detroit, and they did so by scoring power play goals. This has been a really weird like first two and a half weeks of the season. Um, this is the Canes Country Podcast. I'm Brett Finger. Of course, Justin Lape is also here. Hi, Justin. Hi. What do you think about uh, those Canes? Uh, those Canes are an interesting bunch, to say the least. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we, we our last episode was titled Plan the Parade, and this one, it's going to say Put the Parade on Hold parentheses for now for now <laughs> um, wow that's, yeah for now, some confidence. For now. Well, yeah i guess i'm showing a little bit of confidence no um well i mean they had you know a little bit of a bad streak there you knew it was eventually going to come to an end and, and it did against winnipeg which is you know a tough team um but the loss to tampa was another tough one to swallow but you kind of understand it. it it's those are two top teams and you know you're still a very young team you're you haven't completely turned the corner yet so you're going to have some struggles against teams like Tampa or or even Toronto too um but i was actually personally in raleigh for the colorado game and i just have to say it was so atrocious to watch i mean it was probably their worst game of the season um you know even like the new york game to start the season was wasn't their best before that i think i think they played well in winnipeg i think they played well in tampa but it's just that's how results turn out against teams like that Mm -hmm. but the colorado game was just so atrocious i mean they couldn't get anything going on the power play um it was low danger shots i mean nothing was was really too prominent um they were on the verge of getting shut out uh was about to have a career day until you know, a late goal that really didn't matter at that point. Um, that one was was especially tough to swallow because I thought the goaltending was poor there. Um, but it was defensively that I think we we kind of fell apart because I think it was on goal one. Um, Brett Pesci ends up falling down, which leads yeah. to like you know an, like a like a weird situation where the defender had to come over and pinch, but. Uh, for Pesci's absence and then you know it was easy tapping but um, yeah that that game was especially atrocious so um, it it was nice to see them come back against you know come back against a a lesser team in Detroit because as we said on the last last podcast when Brian was here you got to win those types of games especially as this schedule kind of gets tougher as we move into November and and early December later on Um, it's you know it's it gets tougher Uh, you got a tough matchup coming up tomorrow against San Jose. Um, and, you know, those games, you hope for the best. But, um, yeah, you gotta you got to beat Detroit. Um, and I think they did especially well in that game. Uh, the power play improved, uh, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about in a little bit. But, uh, you know, I think that late game scramble with with Mrazek making some yeah. saves and Falk kind of sacrificing his body. I mean, that's that's what you have to do to win. Um, you got to 
go the extra mile, especially in those late game situations, because Detroit really did come on in that third third period. Um, I, I think they 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 kind of got complacent, and then Detroit kind of surprised them with the first goal, and then they were like, oh 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 oh, we got to get our act together. Um, but I think the 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 best part of this this past week that we, that we missed basically since last podcast was, I mean, Jacob Slavin short or excuse me, Jacob Slavin getting the puck out of the zone on that empty netter in Detroit. I mean, that was just a work of art. Like it yeah. was, it was beautiful. Um, yeah. There was just so many great things to say about him, and you know, most defensemen would probably try to chip that up the boards and just get it out, and you know, let the let the team regroup. But he decides to, you know, not only exit the zone with the puck, then he ends up getting across center ice and flips what doesn't look like it, um, but is a very tough backhanded pass to Jordan Martinuk for the empty netter. Um, so I, I'm really impressed by him, as always. He he still had a strong week despite the losses. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's good to come out, you know, even though it was kind of hit some rough spots, it's still good to be first in the Metro. For sure. Um, I think he did a very good job of summing up that week. I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, you know, when you go to Winnipeg and Tampa, uh, that's a that's a tough game. Um, when it was a few days ago, um, I did some research about it. So far, at that point, a couple of days ago, they were the Lightning and Jets were combined eight one and one at home. So that's a tough game. And the Winnipeg game was really close. Mrazek was incredible. Um, we recorded the last podcast right for that, so we did talk about it a bit. But um, the Tampa Bay game, um, and that was a game where the Hurricane scored first, then Tampa got two, then Martin Natchez, who we will also talk about later, uh, got his first NHL goal. And at that point, it was like a tie game in, in the second quarter second period so um they competed with those two really good teams um and i i agree about the colorado game i think they kind of laid an egg there um this looked really flat um they it just it just didn't look like a you know a game that we were accustomed to seeing out of them high effort high energy type of stuff um but you know, it's a Saturday afternoon game. It, I I can see why uh, there would be a little bit of a letdown there uh, from that group, um, and I especially understand it and and am okay with it uh, because they went to Detroit on Monday and played a dominant game. Uh, I still think there's some some issues that you know we're going to talk about later in the podcast, but there are still some issues, but. You know, five three and one record through nine games, I think, is is definitely better than what I expected. Um, it's it's still first in the Metropolitan Division as we talk right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, they they very clearly have an identity, and uh, they they have some stuff to work off of. And Friday is going to be a challenge, but we'll see we'll see what happens. Um, you brought up the special teams earlier. Um, entering the Detroit game on Monday. Uh, the Hurricanes were 2-for-30 on the power play. That was last in the NHL. Um, and if you really want to get more negative about it, uh, one of those goals was an empty netter. So they were really 1-for-29 on the power play. Um, entering the Detroit game, they had also given up 9 goals on 26 penalty kills. 
that was last as well. Well, against Detroit, two for three on the power play, perfect four for four on the penalty kill, and the empty net goal was also a shorthanded goal from Martinook on an amazing play from Slavin, like Justin said. Um, here's the thing. They've, it's not a secret that, that they've had a very rough go things on the special teams. Uh, they've been one of the very best five-on-five teams in hockey. Um, but again, they were blasting both special teams entering to the Detroit game. Was there enough there for you, Justin, that were you are starting to get a little more confidence in it in, in, in the special teams? Well, I think they had a few days break, um, and I know they at least got one practice session in there, and they had a gap between Tampa and Colorado as well. Um, so I think they're trying to build on things, but I still think it is a big concern. Um, the, you know, the power play has always been an issue, it seems like, with the Hurricanes over the past few years. Um, they are starting to have some finishers like Aho, like Teravainen, and now Svechnikov um, that can capitalize on power play opportunities. But it's more structure than anything that's been worrying me. Um, but I think the, the number one concerning thing is the uh, penalty kill, which shouldn't be happening with the, the personnel you have. You have one of the top five defenses in the league – Plus, you know, you got some pretty solid bottom six guys that can kill penalties for you. And I think Jordan Stahl also does a great job for that. And, he, you know, he's a kind of a middle six guy. Um, but, yeah, that that's something they really need to clean up uh, because you shouldn't have to worry every time you go shorthanded that things are going to turn out badly for you. You have to have that kind of confidence and go out and kill a penalty against a tough team or something like that. So um, that that's more concerning to me than the power play. Now, yes, power play, there's lots of changes that need to be made. Uh, yeah, structure and just releasing shots from the point into bodies is just not... I mean, you see Justin Falk do it all the time. I know that's something you brought up to me recently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just... It's, it's again, it's a matter of coaching changes. You know, not... I'm not calling for a personnel, complete personnel change. I'm just saying... Fire Rod Brindamore. They have to... <laughs> yes, they have to look in the mirror and say, okay, what can we do to fix this before it becomes a problem? Yes, you're nine games in, um, but don't let it become a trend by game 10. Uh, you know, that, don't let bad habits become habits. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think it, it is concerning, but it's a matter of just looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, we got we to gotta change this. Yeah. Um, I'm so concerned about it, too. It's... It's weird for me. Um, I, I had I was I was pretty nervous about the Detroit game um, going into it because Detroit is very much the very opposite of the Hurricanes. Um, they are the worst five on five team in hockey. Uh, they're awful at even strength. Um, and then their special teams when when Carolina played them, they were both top eight in the league. So part of it that that makes me somewhat uh, hopeful is that they were able to break through against a special teams unit that had been pretty good in Detroit. Um, Granted, I don't think many people would argue that Detroit is a very formidable foe, uh, considering they've won only one game this year. So, you know, take, 
take whatever you want from that. And the Detroit game also concerned me because I've noticed this pattern or this trend now uh, after the first week and a half that the five-on-five offense is really going away. Um, I think the first two weeks of this season or first week and a half, we, we, we saw three lines that could that could be dangerous. The Ajo line, the Stahl line, and the Walmart line. So over the past, or really at the start of the three-game skid, um, the only line that has been going is the Ajo line. The Stahl line has not produced at even strength. The Walmart line has not produced at even strength. And then, of course, the fourth line has never really been reliable at all, as they're still trying to figure that out. But I mean, they have to be—they have to be better on the on the special teams. And I, I'm not super convinced that you know it's it's 100% fixed. But I'm glad there is a step forward at least. Um, you think you think that uh, you think Dougie Hamilton needs to be put on the first power play unit? I think he needs more ice time in general. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, yeah, I, I think first first power play unit would help, um, and just more ice time in general. I, I I don't know if it was, you know, you were looking through the first few games, and he's kind of like 18 minutes and stuff like that. I don't think he, he has to be a, a Ryan Suter that plays, you know, 30 minutes a night. But I think in order to get the most out of him, he needs a little bit more time. I agree. Um the thing about Dougie Hamilton is that they they traded for this guy and you know they gave up a lot of assets to get him in Furland and Adam Fox but it was so far I think everybody when the trade was made uh, I don't think many people thought Carolina lost that trade outside of Calgary um, it seemed pretty clear to me that they got the better end of it um, and Dougie Hamilton was considered to be the best player in the trade. But so far, his average ice time is 19 minutes and 41 seconds. Um, in Detroit, he saw that go down to 17 minutes. I just, I, he can't be getting 17 minutes. He finished top 15 in Norris voting each of the past two years. He is one of the very best offensive defensemen in the league. And while Falk did score a power play goal against Detroit, um, he's been really, really rough this year. He's been, he's been rough. And in the in the worst part about it is he's getting about a minute and a half more per game of ice time than Hamilton. So I don't understand that. Um, granted, I think Falk has best game of the year in Detroit, and I don't think it was very close. So hopefully you can build on it, but I would just really like to see Dougie Hamilton used more because he's one of the very best D-men in hockey, and him getting less than 20 minutes a night is kind of a problem. So I guess we'll see where that goes. Um, it's a it's it's a bit interesting right now. I think there's a lot of especially with the penalty kill. I think there's some. I think that's more of a concern, like you said. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's like Jordan Stahl, Brock McGinn have been the more consistent PK guys, but then Warren Fogle and Jordan Martinuk have been on the ice for so many, so many penalty kills 
or so many power play goals for the other team. And I think it's because they're so aggressive. They're always down the ice. They're always, you know, forechecking really hard, which is good. But if they, if they miss, then it's an odd man rush the other way. They're out of position and it's a problem. So I, I guess we'll see how, how those look moving forward, but let's talk about some positive things. So Sebastian Ajo with his assist on Michael Furland's goal in Detroit, extended his point streak to nine games to start the season. That's a Hurricanes team record. That's too short of uh, Ron Francis's 11-game streak to start the year when he was with Hartford. Um, four goals, 10 assists, 14 points in nine games. He's tied for sixth in the NHL in points. Michael Furland, just mentioned him, scored against Detroit, extended his point streak to four games, or goal streak to four games. He leads the team in goals with six. So, Aho and Furlan. I mean, that, that combination has really turned into, really, <laughs> it, yeah. I think Brian said it last week. Uh, I don't think there's a more perfect fit for, for Aho than Furlan. What do you think about those two? Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a very good complimentary piece. And I, I kind of, again, joked around that, you know, the winner of the Calgary trade was the team that got Michael Furland. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just something about it. I wasn't optimistic. I thought, oh, it was kind of more of, you know, a bruiser guy that, you know, would look out for Ajo and terrifying him. But not only is he that, he's he's got a really good touch around the net. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a good surprise um, this early in the season. Uh, and, I mean... It's it's pleasant. Now, I think we – I know his stats were kind of inflated when he played along Sean Monaghan and John Goudreau. Um, so we got to see, I guess, when the team has a little bit more flexibility and maybe Sveshnikov starts getting more ice time. He's another one that I don't think is getting enough as of right now. Yes, he's a rookie. Okay, whatever. He's got to earn his chops. But at the same time, he's good. Yeah, <laughs> Play him more. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I would like to see what Furlan is away from from those two. Is he just a product of his environment, or is he, you know, good alone? Um, I guess we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, no, a, a very pleasant surprise. And as for Ajo, I mean, what a, <laughs> I mean, what a guy. I mean, what a guy. we were kind of all worried. You know what, that's, a, we were... that's enough ana- analysis that we need. What a guy. <laughs> what, <laughs> what a guy. guy. He, is, what he, a he, guy. Is, he is quite a guy, you know. I I no. that's so correct. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, it's just he's been absolutely phenomenal. I know the big debate was what is he? Is he a center? Is he a winger? Blah blah blah. We just know he's a good player, <laughs> and I mm-hmm. think the rest of the NHL is kind of starting to take notice. I mean, fourteen points as of this podcast is is good enough to be better than Patrick Kane and Alex Ovechkin right now. I mean. It's at least a hot start, and if not, it's maybe at least earning him some respect. Um, he's kind of him along with have kind of been the best kept secrets in this division. Um, so you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's really positive, and I think he's just going to continue to grow as a player. I agree. It's exciting. I mean, this. I mean, this guy's a star, man. He is something else, and. His move to center has has gone just about as well as I think it could have possibly gone, and then probably a little more on top of that. Um, I've talked it. I've talked about it and stuff that I've posted on Kane's Country, but 
the way that he's maturing and in the the way that he plays the center position, um, blue line to blue line, um, in his own end, uh, he he has so much speed and he has so much creativity, um, and he's sneaky. He's sneaky strong. That I mean, he will he will lay into you if if you aren't ready for it. I mean, he 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 isn't a big guy, but the, the he's like fierce man he's just feisty and fierce and aggressive and it's just it's an extremely good player to build your team around moving forward in my opinion um so let's talk about that um there was a piece posted in the athletic by craig Custance on wednesday uh it was talking about sebastian ajo and how the hurricanes are putting an emphasis on getting a deal done with him um there was a lot of interesting stuff in there uh, including uh, Aho's father, Hari uh, Aho, is the GM for Carpat in Finland. Um, and he said that Tom Dundon and Aho's dad uh, talk a lot in that, you know, he's kind of turned into a Finnish scout of sorts. And I thought that was interesting given that, I mean, that probably means that the signing of Saku Mainalainen, uh probably wasn't very much of... A coincidence given that he played with Carpet uh, in the Finnish league before coming over. Um, but the the bulk of it was about Sebastian Ajo's contract extension. Um, I wrote a thing, uh, I think last week or, or maybe earlier this week, uh, talking about the cap structure moving forward. And what I said in there was 8x8 eight eight, uh, for Ajo. But if, if they wait until the offseason, which I don't know if they will do. I guess we'll see. I could see that price going up beyond eight. I think he's going to get the eight years. I think I think you got started eight million at this point. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, personally, I, I think eight by eight makes sense. Um, I hope that it doesn't get to the offseason. Of course, yes, his price will probably raise, especially if he continues at this rate. He's not going to go on a point streak for 82 games, and if he does, then he deserves... Uh, I will pay the man. I'll find out his Venmo, and we'll, 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 we'll make a deal or something. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that if he hits you know, upper 70s, 80s this season, which is plausible, especially given a start, um, yeah, he, he could command 8 by 8 uh, I guess it's doing what's best for the player. He is the player to build around that we have so far. Um, so it, it, it makes sense. Uh, but I wonder if it will get to a point where it's kind of like a Nylander where maybe Ajo asks for a little bit more than than what he thinks he, or what he is actually worth. Maybe if he's reaching towards nine. I would be nervous to go as high as nine for him. Um, I think eight by eight is probably the the most uh, comfortable I am because again you just never know with players it's it's hard to tell this is such a young league and you know how is that contract going to look at year seven and eight I guess you you buy what he is now and then you know he's going to be good for I guess you can at least say a majority of that contract but yeah. it's like you know if if it comes down to it is it a tradable contract I think that's when signing those long term deals you got to look at all aspects. Yes, he is the centerpiece. He's just everything of what this franchise is dreamed for, basically. Uh, more than what we we got in Jeff Skinner, I guess you could say. Uh, that's kind of a hot take. I, I think that's I, very I fair. 
I think that we thought we were going to build around Skinner, and and I mean he showed flashes of it for a while, and he, you know he's still an extremely talented player, but uh, he's he wasn't the centerpiece we thought he was. So um, yeah, he's going to command a lot of money. It's just a matter of yes, the cap is going to rise um, steadily, and it will probably continue to rise as we go into another labor deal. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm comfortable with eight by eight, and I really hope it gets done during the season. Because if not, we it could get a, maybe a little bit more ugly. Um, yeah, I pretty much agree with with all of that. Um, I think it'll get done during the season. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets done pretty soon, within the next month or so. Uh, honestly, I I don't see it. I just don't see it dragging out like the Nylander thing is because. I think the Hurricanes and Leafs are in a very different position because the Leafs have like four or three players that they know they have to give a lot of money to. Matthews, Marner, Nylander. For the Hurricanes, it's a little different because I think I think you just have one of those like huge ticket players in Ajo. Um, so I think they're going to be more willing to just get it done and get it out of the way because they know that's their centerpiece. I mean, Dunn said it a thousand times at this point. Uh we want him here. He wants to be here. We'll figure it out. Um, so I'm not really nervous about that. Um, I, yeah, I think it's a slightly. I know what. I know the. Uh, I get the comparison, but I think it's a slightly different situation in Toronto. And yeah, I think eight by eight is fine. I, I would feel comfortable with eight and a half. I would. I would even be okay with eight by nine. Um, but yeah. I think I think that's the area that we're talking uh, with a player like him because since the final forty-five games of last season and the first nine of this season, he's producing above a point a game pace. It's he's been extremely good. And your your comment about Jeff Skinner uh, not being what Aho is, I think, is definitely fair. Um, I think it's I think it's because. Jeff Skinner is a winger and, and a goal scorer that, quite honestly, uh, he never got the defensive side together for for more than you know a short period of time. Uh, he to me he just never seemed like the cornerstone guy, both with his on ice performance and his personality. It's nothing against Jeff Skinner, um, but I don't see like the like the fire and like the. Com- competitiveness and in the desire and, and need to win like Aho shows I, I just never saw that in Skinner and and that's fine like he's a great player and you know I mean there's nothing more to say about Skinner he's an, an elite goal scorer but I think Aho is a different player and a different person and perhaps a little bit better of a person to to build around or at least that's what I think um, speaking of players that you might want to build around, Martin Natchez got sent down to the Charlotte Checkers after the Tampa Bay game where he scored his first NHL goal. He, uh, he went down there with Hayden Fleury. They've played in two games so far for those Checkers. Um, this, this makes sense, right, Justin? I mean, he was getting six minutes on the fourth line next to McGinn and DiGiuseppe. Now he can actually play meaningful minutes with talented players. Yeah. So that's the big question, is it? Um, I understand 
the move, yes, to give him more time. But is that not poor time management slash asset management by the Hurricanes coaching staff? I mean, I understand if you if those talented players or talented individuals are still in Charlotte, why are they? They should be called up. I I don't think yeah, it doesn't make sense to put Natchez next to you know Brock McGinn or uh, Phil D Giuseppe or Jordan Martinuk or whoever. It you know it just doesn't make sense. Um, I don't think that's his fault uh in terms of his play uh but yeah i mean it it now makes sense to give him that extra time but i think that's more on the hurricanes coaching staff than anything um but with clark bishop kind of got called up um i thought that he played extremely well in the detroit game he was the key factor in that second power play goal because he drew the penalty um yeah yeah he was gonna put him into a uh chokehold I was concerned yeah. about his health. Yeah, that was that was something. <laughs> he almost got like decapitated. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, you knew that was just a, a temporary fill. But um, having Nicholas Waugh called up, uh, Nages will be relied on even more heavily in Charlotte. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a game uh, as of this recording of the podcast. Uh, it would hours have from now. yesterday's game. Yeah, so, um, but. We'll see how he he plays against Utica. Um, but yeah, I, I I like the walk call up. I I think that he's a, a risk you take. Um, him and Fogel were kind of the two underrated um, storylines last season. You know, behind Zekov's brilliance and Walmart's brilliance. Um, those two are in their spot now. It might you know Fogel's on his way, and now Wa might be next. Uh, he might he could be a little bit more permanent. We'll see. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like how that team down there is playing as well. Um, you know, it's, it's been a good start for them. Yeah. They, they finally lost their first game, but, um, yeah, I, I think that Natchez will kind of get into his groove a little bit more against Utica and then they got Binghamton on Friday. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you'll start seeing him fill up the score sheet a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agreed with Natchez getting sent down, and, and I also get your point about, you know, you have these great players in Charlotte, what are you going to do with them? To me, um, it's tough, because when Natchez was sent down, they had three lines going, and I, I didn't see them messing with it. Uh, so they sent him down to Charlotte. They brought up Clark Bishop, who, let's be honest, he's not a very valuable prospect, but he is serviceable in a fourth-line role, getting the minutes that Natchez was getting. So I, I, I agreed with that. Uh, I like the idea of Natchez going down there, playing a lot and playing in important minutes and playing with talented guys like Yanni Kuokinen, who he appears to be pretty close friends with. And... Um, you know, Quokin's another guy who could be a future piece of this team. So I don't see a whole lot of bad in that. Um, and I'm also excited about Nick Lawa coming up. Like you said, Bishop was good. I mean, he was he was fine. His, his possession numbers were good. Granted, he, he got some very favorable matchups, and he pretty much only saw the fourth line uh, against Colorado. 
Uh, he was a little bit more exposed matchup-wise against Detroit, but I thought he handled it fine. He had a few really solid shifts, uh, keeping the puck in the offensive zone, wearing down the opponent, like you said, took that penalty. Um, so, yeah, I, I was impressed by him, and he had a really good preseason, so it made sense to give him a short little look. Nikola Watt, I think, I don't think this is a very uh, hot take, has a very uh, has a much higher ceiling than Clark Bishop. Um with what he can bring outside of the defense, because of course, Nicola Waugh is an excellent faceoff taker, a great defensive guy. Uh, but on top of that, he, he can put the puck in the net and he can make plays offensively. Um, six, four, two fifteen, strong, you know, he, he's a guy that I think will be in the NHL, uh, on a pretty permanent basis here pretty soon. And this should be a good, good opportunity for him. And and hopefully he, he can bring a little bit more offense that Clark Bishop could not bring at 5-on-5 five five because I think the offense, again, at 5-on-5 five five has, has been tapering off a good bit. And, you know, maybe maybe Nicol Watt can provide a spark in the fourth line. So another big thing that's happening uh, the night that we are recording, uh, in a few hours, Scott Darling is going to make his first appearance in a game of the 2018-19 season conditioning stint um against utica tonight hopefully it goes well justin what are you uh what are you hoping for out of scott darling yeah i think it's good for the hurricanes future and net i guess for this season um yes curtis mccallini has been a good filler um peter morazic hasn't been terrible uh save percentage as a team is still not where it needs to be. Um, so hopefully, you know, all this build up with Darling and how he prepared over this offseason, I hope it pays off for him. I think uh, as a guy, I, th- I think he's a seems like a great guy. Um, but I think that, yeah, you, you want to get the most out of that contract too uh, because we paid him the big bucks, and, and I think this season is, re- is really where he has to deliver. He came in, he prepared. It's unfortunate that he had that injury. Uh, but ultimately it's how he plays the rest of the season. And, and if we have to look elsewhere, you know, come the 2019, 20 campaign, which seems really weird to say. <laughs> um, yeah. With, uh, with darling, that's going to bump Delkovich to the number two spot. Uh, Callum Booth will probably be a scratch. They have not sent him down as a recording of this podcast. So there's really no need to, I think that I believe that with a conditioning stint, you could hold, yeah, you can hold a, in the AHL. You can hold a certain number of players as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's good for him. I don't want it to just be one start and then he plays in Friday's game against San Jose. I want him down there for two to three games, if not four, just in case. Um, just testing out that lower body injury and 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 you know kind of getting them up to speed because if you just throw them into the fire against San Jose and then you know play teams like Boston it's going to get yeah. sloppy and and it won't look that, that could good be a real problem. so keep so keep them down there keep keep the mojo going for what the current team is and then insert them in a game that's friendly to him you know like a a favorable matchup and then he can face off against some of those tough teams as we get into November but um yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely exciting and, and welcoming to, to kind of get that boost. Uh, you kind of wish the same for Victor Rask, but it's it's not gonna happen. So um, yeah, he, he yeah. looks he looks a bit far off still. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Um, 
I think I think best case scenario, I mean, you're getting your starting goalie back because Scott Darling was going to be the starter on opening night had he not got hurt. Um, he had a very good preseason. Um, he's been on the ice and, and moving around a good bit for, for about a week now. So I think they're being very patient. Um, I think if it was like a, like a situation where they need him back right now, I think he probably could have been ready to go by now and had his conditioning stint already and what have you um so it's good that they're taking their time and you know they're still five three and one so they're they're fine um i i think morazic has been good lately i i really do i the winnipeg game he was outstanding i thought um he almost stole them a win um then the tampa game i mean he was I mean, he wasn't that great, but I mean, that's Tampa. That wasn't like a game where the Hurricanes deserved to win, but they lost. It was just a, a better Tampa team beat them, and that happens to a lot of teams. Um, and then the Detroit game, he was outstanding. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to see 20 saves on 21 shots or whatever it was and think, oh, that wasn't a very tough game for him. It really was. I mean... Carolina went about 14 minutes into the first period, and they didn't allow a shot. And then in the final four minutes of that first period, there were three extremely high dangerous or high danger chances, including a Justin Abdulkader breakaway that started at like the blue line. And if he lets that goal in on a breakaway, uh, the Hurricanes aren't probably going to score like two minutes later and get that power play goal i mean that's that's a huge save and and those are the saves that morazic needs to make because there's going to be a lot of games like that where these goalies aren't seeing a lot of shots but when they do they have to make quality stops so i was really encouraged by the detroit game and the winnipeg game for morazic uh McElhaney really hasn't been good to be honest uh, ever since the Columbus game where he was out of his mind, amazing. Um, he's kind of fallen back to being what Curtis McElhaney really truly is. And that's like a, an, a like a backup kind of goalie. Uh, hopefully Darling has a good game against Utica and we'll go from there and they can make whatever decision they want about goalies. And then maybe McElhaney gets put on waivers or traded or whatever. Uh, we'll see. But I definitely I'm happy with Morazic and how he's he's played as of late, and I think he should probably start against San Jose. I agree with that. Uh, agree with you on that. So let's talk about a few more Charlotte things. Uh, they're off to a really good start. You said uh, five and one. Uh, Nicola Wah had seven points in his first uh, five games or six games. Uh, he had six points in the first two games. It, it was unbelievable. Uh, other guys, Podorowski, of course, he's always going to be a consistent AHL point producer. Uh, always a very good presence down there. Yanni Kuokinen's off to another good start. That's exciting. And Julian Gauthier, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on him because outside of even the points, I think he's been playing really well. Uh, you can see some flashes there of of why he was a first round pick and why the Hurricanes thought so highly of him um so what are your thoughts on Gauthier and the hot start overall 
Yeah, I, th- I think that um, he's doing a lot of things that may not show up on the score sheet. Four points in six games is respectable, uh, two of those being goals, of course. Um, I think that in the uh, the 4-3 to three shootout victory against Hershey, he was especially good, um, which, I mean, he scored on. He, you know, had his really strong forecheck behind the net, ends up alongside the right-hand side with Jake being – Let's give a congratulations to him. He gets his yeah. first AHL point, um, assists on Gautier's goal. But, yeah, and uh, Bean had, did a great job of just patience, 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 and then found Gautier getting to the spots where he needs to be. He's a big guy. He's got to use that size to continue to get in, towards the net and just, yeah, I mean, sometimes just banging home those garbage goals. I mean, that's what Fogel did a lot last year, and that's why he he ended up with, you know, 20-plus. So, um yeah, I, I really like what I'm seeing from him. Um, I wouldn't, you know, some people might kind of forget about him and they see the development of these lower yeah. round picks like Fogel and Wah and stuff like that. Gautier was a late first round pick. He was not going to ever make the jump immediately. Um, would it be right for him to? No. I mean, we've. I think this team's kind of also had a past of, of rushing their players too much. Yes. I like his seasoning. I think that another full season down here um is is positive i would throw him in yanni as potential call-up candidates if there's an injury let's hope that doesn't happen um but i would like to see him stay down develop continue to develop and then next year really make a push for it and i think he could make the roster next year possibly um some of those interchange parts there's a lot of people on contracts I myself am not a huge fan of Brock McGinn. I know you would say differently. <laughs> no, um, would Phil I? Phil Giuseppe. Would Phil I say Giuseppe. No, no, yeah, I mean, no, I mean that. Um, no, I, 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 just, I don't love Brock McGinn. I don't. Um, huh. I, it always yeah, seems I, like you favored him a lot, though. I, I don't know. Maybe I've been partial to him. I, last year, I thought. That was kind of a mirage, his goal-scoring stuff. Uh, I was never really bought into Brock McGinn being a quality offensive player. Um, analytically, he's been good on the penalty kill this year, which is better than what a lot of people can say. I think he's I think he's fine. I, I think he's a fourth-liner. I don't, I, I don't love him. I don't hate him. He's just kind of there. I like him more than Di Giuseppe. I will say that. Yeah, and, and that's another thing is I think Di Giuseppe's other roster spot that frees up um, – I know Martinuk's playing well. Now, whether that's too well that he wants too much money or, you know, this is just a hot start well, and he's well, going to take her off. Well, well, Justin, to be fair, um, the goal he scored in Detroit, it was a fantastic effort by Martinuk. It was a great effort. <laughs> yeah, watching, yes, it watching, was solely him. Watching Jacob Slavin uh, <laughs> skate through 75 Detroit Red Wing players and, you know, that was a that was a hell of a snipe from Martin up there. Watching watching Slavin literally hand feed. I mean, to, um, be, to be fair, I mean he he was kind of like me. Like my jaw was on the floor watching Slavin. I'm like, there's no way. And then I'm like, wait, it's Jacob Slavin. Yeah, he's probably gonna do it. And it was just unbelievable. So I too would have just been watching. But you know, I agree with your I agree with your sentiment on Martin Nook. Yeah. Um... And I also think that even next year, Walmart could I, – I like what I've seen from him so far. Mm-hmm. I'm just, again, not convinced in his NHL future. future. So if Gautier plays really strong, um, 
and you know some roster movement will eventually happen. I still think they're you know they're like sixteen million from the 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 cap, and mm-hmm. that's only going to go up next year. Uh, the defense stays around the same, and obviously those those extensions for for players like Aho, Teravinen, and 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 Ferlin are going to happen. But um, yeah, I I would really like to see him make a push, and I th- I think he's got a, a fair shot. So um, yeah, really strong player and big part of their success so far. I'm glad you feel that way because last year when I watched Charlotte games, uh, Julian Gauthier never stood out as as a player that you know was a notable prospect, and in this year, or uh, there were a few flashes, but I think even Mike Volucci said that there are a lot of things that Gauthier needs to get together. Uh, I think he gave a similar quote that he gave about a. Uh, Saku Mainalainen, who we'll talk about in a few seconds. Um, but yeah, I, I've really enjoyed watching him. He, the, When he can, you know, get on top of a puck and get hard on the puck and just take it to the net, I mean, he's done that several times. I don't think any of them have really led to goals yet, but they will if he keeps doing that because just the power that he has and, and the strength, like you said, um, if Gauthier makes it to the NHL, um, prepare for... Jeff Skinner, figure skater, uh, talk all the time for Gauthier because he is a like a third generation bodybuilder, whatever. And they're probably going to talk about yeah. that all the time, nonstop, like Skinner and his figure skating. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Gauthier also, I don't mean to like throw red flags out there, but his mm-hmm. style is kind of reminiscent of a a prime slash non-injured Nathan Horton, Milan Lucic. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the guy you're getting without the extra pounds or attitude, I guess. Um, <laughs> just pure drive the net, uses his size, and he's got the bulk for it. it. He won't have a problem with that at all. It's just, you know, finishing around the net and, and you know, um, staying up to speed as well. For sure. Um so a lot of positive things down in Charlotte. Alex Nedeljkovich is off to a great start. I think he needs to have a big year. Uh, any thoughts on Alex Nedeljkovic? Um, yeah, I mean, the the stats remain consistent. Um, he's got all six starts. It's He's going to get kicked out here for Darling. But, uh, you know, he's, he's played well so far. Um, he hasn't faced a large amount of shots. Um, mm-hmm. You know, these, some of the, the, the games he's played in, he's, uh, you know, averaging around like 24, 25. Um, but yeah, the save percentage is promising. And I, you know, we spoke about this in our season preview a little bit and it, to him, he's going to get the wins. So don't base your success off of his wins. The, it's a very it's never a good idea talented team. To, there. to yeah. judge a goalie off of wins. Never a good idea. Yeah. Never a good idea. So it's, it's continuously, and it's not even sometimes goals against average too. It's watching that save percentage. So, um, you know, keeping it around, you know, NHL league average at 917, you know, kind of 915 goaltending um, is considered league average. I mean, he's just continues to play well. Now, again, it's the translation. I don't think he'll get his taste this year. It doesn't look like that, especially with, with picking up McElhaney on waivers. And now they kind of don't know what to do when Darling comes back. But um, yeah, he won't get that. But I, I think, yeah, this is really the telling year. And so far, he's off to a good start. That that shows he'll have another good year. Yeah, agreed. Uh, hopefully he can keep that going. 
he had a really good playoffs last year too. He he stole a couple games there. Um, so it's good to see him kind of riding that wave, and, and hopefully that will continue because the beyond the next two years, the goalie situation is very far from certain. So there are a lot of players uh, in the organization, out of the organization, that uh, could be the Hurricanes goalie in 2022, 2023. Um, so that's interesting. A couple of interesting, more... I guess with European players coming over, uh, Michael Fora, uh, he played in one game for the Checkers. He signed a deal over the offseason after he played for Switzerland in the World Championships. Uh, Big right-handed defenseman. He got put on waivers a few days ago, and his contract got terminated. He went back to Switzerland. Um, you know, I think I think he just kind of he was the odd man out. I think he was the seventh defenseman in Charlotte, and then they sent Hayden Flurry down, and then um, apparently the Hurricanes were going to assign him to the ECHL. And at that point, I think they were both like, "All right, we tried this; it's not going to work." Uh, so he's gone. But another European player, uh, Saku Mainalainen. So he was scratched in Charlotte's sixth game, which they lost. Um, Mike Volucci had quite a quote about Manalina and how he needs to work hard and how uh, hopefully this will be a wake-up call for him. Uh, this is a guy that I think has a lot of talent, and he comes from the same system in Carpat that Ajo came from and that his dad is the general manager of and all that. So I think he's going to get back into the game on Wednesday, hopefully. Uh, what are you expecting out of him moving forward? Um. I, see, I I think he just he didn't have a favorable game uh, in the first game against Hershey on that Friday, yeah. um, and that's really what just set the coach off. I mean, he was first line. Yeah, uh, he, he was with and, Natchez and I think Podorowski. Yep, and then he got replaced for Greg McKeg yep. yep. uh, in in game two there, and obviously the offense kind of fell flat. I'm not saying it's uh, you know specifically contributed to Saku being pulled, but um, I think he had a really strong game uh, playing Utica in the first matchup and Syracuse as well. A, he scored a gorgeous and he ended uh, up shorthanded goal in Utica. Yeah, and it it was a beautiful give and go, and I I, mm-hmm. I, I thought that he was you know pretty much turning a corner because a lot of people at the beginning of the offseason almost had him penciled into the third or fourth line for the Hurricanes. I never got that. And yeah, <laughs> I never was, understood that, that either. Thinking, I didn't. I I I didn't. I didn't think that that made sense, especially with the youth that you have and the talent there. Um, but yeah, he could still be a guy that you could end up uh, pulling up to the fourth line or something like that. I I think that he was turning a corner and then he just had a bad game. And I think that coach was trying to send a message. Yeah, it, it was kind of just as simple as that. And uh, I mean, we'll see if he gets slotted in against Utica um, and, and how he plays. Um and then, you know, they got a game Friday and Saturday as well. So um, I think he'll get back in. He'll get back on the coach's side. Uh, Vellucci did kind of the same thing with Julian Gauthier last year mm-hmm. um, where he kind of said some comments. Julian kind of voiced his comments back a little bit. Yeah, through, that was that was, a, know. that was kind of an awkward uh, little, little yeah. thing there. Yeah, and it almost I, seemed I like, I, wow. I, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I didn't expect uh, those quotes to come from Gauthier from that quebec uh newspaper site or whatever that was 
that was weird for a little bit, but it looks like that's pretty much in the rear view, rear view mirror. Um, so yeah, that's good. And yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's that big of a deal. So hopefully he'll bounce back and, uh, he'll be amazing. Speaking of hoping people will be amazing, Martin Natchez, two, two games, uh, zero points, scored the shootout winner in, uh, in their home opener against Hershey. Uh, so that was good. And, you know, I think we talked about it earlier. Nick Lawaw getting called up is the biggest thing, biggest takeaway for me from that is that Natchez is probably going to get a bigger role. And, you know, I think that would be good for him. So what do you think about Natchez's first two games? What does he have to do moving forward? Uh, get on the score sheet. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's it's getting a few points or getting some AHL goals. Um, I, I think that was... You know, yeah, he it, it was kind of weird timing. You know, he scores he scores his first NHL goal, yeah. and then gets sent down immediately after. You know, it's kind of awkward. I um, saw I saw a tweet you know. that was like uh, Svechnikov scored his first NHL goal, and they gave him like a framed photo and a puck and all that, and then Natchez scores his, and he gets sent down to Charlotte. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was that's just a funny. way to send it a was, message, it right? It's just funny how it's just funny how things work out sometimes. Yeah, really. Um, so yeah, I think it's just getting that scoring touch and and showing the coaching staff in in Raleigh that, hey, you made a mistake. Call me back up. Let's get this thing started. So, um, yeah. It, it, again, the choice made sense, uh, but it, it's finding that scoring touch that, you know, a lot of you know prospect watchers and people like that are are projecting so yep. we're hoping for the best for him and and you know getting back to the nhl as quickly as possible yeah um in his first two games he because it, it was really the first chance that we've gotten to to really get a look at him because i don't think any evaluation of him in his first however many seven games in in the nhl i don't think that those were fair evaluation games uh, I mean, he was on the fourth line. He had, quite honestly, not very good line mates. Uh, McGinn's fine, but really with Natchez, I don't, I don't think so. DiGiuseppe, I've never been a big fan of. Uh, so the first two games, it, he looked like a European player trying to figure it out. To me, um, it looked like he was, he was trying some stuff uh, offensively that that probably worked for him. In, in the Czech League and World Juniors and all that on big ice rinks and, you know, European-style hockey. Um, he was doing some of that. And there are some habits there that I think he needs to get rid of. Um, but on the flip side of that, I think we really have seen how great of a skater he is. Um, I can't tell you how many times, um, both at even strength and on the power play, that Charlotte has just... Like their zone entry strategy is give Martin Natchez the puck in the defensive zone, and he will skate that puck into the zone, and they can set up because he's just that fast, he's that skilled, he's that shifty of a of a skater. Um, that's a, I mean, that's what stands out to me the most. And of course, the offensive instincts. I think all of it will start to come uh, as he plays more games here, and uh, I think he's fine. Uh, I'm I'm still pretty excited about what he can be moving forward. Um, I think we're done. Is that a podcast, Justin? That is a podcast. It seems like it. I think so. Kane's Country Podcast. Thank you for listening. 
Uh, follow Kane's Country on Twitter at Kane's Country. Follow Instagram at Kane's Country Picks. Uh, Justin, where can they follow you on Twitter? They can follow me at Brett underscore finger. Very good. Um, <laughs> that's where I release high quality content. <laughs> yeah, um, he, yeah. It's his uh, burner <laughs> account. That's mine. Yeah, <laughs> that's my burner account. That's my yeah. Uh, yeah I, I I I tweet puns all the time. Yeah, yeah um, it's a good time. <laughs> didn't want to use it on my own. So um, yeah, do you follow me at Lanky Leap, and you can also like Kane's Country on Facebook. And of course, visit canescountry.com for all of our wonderful writing. It's always yeah. it's always great. It's never not great. Oh yeah. It's always exceptional stuff. Enjoy the hockey. Talk to you next week. Bye. Also, Whoa, don't okay, forget no, we're not to, by yet. What, what, wait, what? no, no buys, no buys. Don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe to the podcast and also leave your reviews and your comments uh, on iTunes as well, so that we know what you like what you don't like, and of course, just give us five stars because we're still trying to stay highly rated. So boom, there we go. (laughs) Very good. All right, enjoy the hockey. See you next week. Bye. Bye.